Welcome, everyone, to my kickoff and very first podcast from Cary, North Carolina. Super, super excited. Purpose of these podcasts is going to be to navigate us through, navigate you through the design and build process. And I really want you to learn a little bit. I want you to laugh a lot. And I wanted it to just be what happens in real life. Uh, what I do day to day on my projects. I've been in this trade in this industry for a long time. There are many aspects of it that you laugh about, sometimes that you're stressed about, but I kind of want to just talk you through, educate you a little bit and give you some ideas of what the process is and what happens. And honestly, learn a little bit and again, laugh. It's really, life is short, life is fun. We need to be sure and laugh through the whole process. Very first thing, talk a little bit about my background. Um, I'm actually from Apex, North Carolina, so I'm very familiar with the Raleigh-Durham area and with Cary. I've been here forever, I'm 53 years old, so I've seen it grow tremendously. I'm super excited to see that happen. I went to college to art and design school in the West Coast in Long Beach, LA, California. Big, huge shot shock for me to do that, learned an incredible amount of money. I was very, very fortunate. The school was called Brooks. Um, very fortunate that my instructors took a liking to me. Um, I love the drafting aspect of it. And they really just gave me, I felt like a ton of attention, more than the fact that I spoke funny and I was Southern, but I had just a really good vibe with them and connection, loved my classes, had a huge passion for it. And they just spent tons of time with me, and I was able to take away a lot from that. Um, I interned after that, actually, in Beverly Hills um, with uh, Bob Miller, with Miller Dupuy. One of the greatest things in my life because I was able to work with high-end, see construction. He focused not only on furniture and decorating, but building and remodeling and getting able to see that and smell the sawdust and get that in your face and your nose. Absolutely wonderful. Stayed out there for a little bit. And then, you know, as everyone else, when they're young, it got to be a little bit expensive. And then moved back to the Raleigh-Durham area with my family and started my career here. So that's a little bit of an education on the background for me um, to give you some idea of what that happens. And kind of now I want to, there seems to be um, a lot of questions in the last couple of years Hey, Eddie, what is the difference between a designer and a decorator? You know, are you a designer or are you a decorator? Um, there's also new technology coming out um, called e-design, and that's because there's so much digital stuff happening now. You can drop furniture, you can drop layouts in, you can hire people outside of the scope and then do a little bit of work for you. So I thought we could take a couple of minutes and describe the two. There is definitely absolutely a difference between them. First of all is a designer. That's myself. Typically we go to school. Um, we study multiple aspects of it. You're in school for two or three years. You learn how to draft. You learn how to render. You're really involved in the aspect of it. You understand how it happens. Um, you can lean a little bit more toward the furnishing sides, the wall covering sides. Uh, you can certainly do the construction and involved in that, but you're a little bit more, um, let's call it well-rounded and the scope is much, much larger. The title is much more vague if you are a designer. A decorator, in my opinion, 
is more specialized. They don't have the formal training. They may do flowers. They may only focus on curtains or window treatments. They may only focus on carpet or rugs. The big ticket is they don't have the formal training. They don't have license, um, which you typically in most states, bigger states, larger states, you're required to have. And their scope is much, much smaller. Doesn't demise them at all. Doesn't mean they can't do the job. They just usually are focused a little bit tighter. And then something new that has moved into the market that you probably have seen and heard a lot about is e-design, electronic design. That's where you hire someone typically at a lower rate, anywhere from 25 to maybe 50, $60 an hour, and they digitize what you're thinking. They do everything online. Typically your communication is done by email. It's not done in person because these people could be in the West Coast, they could be in Florida, they could be in India, um, they could be just any place that you have a, a high-powered internet connection. And they take what you give them and they put that in a plan, drawings, um, CAD for you, CAD's computer-aided design uh, that you can see and understand. And then you have the ability to take that and run with it by your own product, or you can give that to your general contractor or the person that you're working with here and they understand it and they know what to order. So those are the three big options that you have right now. It is important to know which of those that you're gonna go in with. If you're building a new home and you're doing new construction, I highly recommend going with a designer. This is a, typically it could be a multi-year project. They're gonna be spending a lot of time with you. You really want them to understand what your needs are, um, what you're going to have um, required. The builder also is gonna to wanna to have someone that understands drawings and understands construction. And that becomes super incredibly helpful to make that happen. Now, let's talk about the investment and the budgeting in your project. This is the biggest challenge that we have. Um, the cost of materials are going up today. We are not spending the amount of um, effort and money in today's budget as we were a couple of years ago. And clients often will come in and like, oh my gosh, you know, we thought it was going to cost a um, million dollars to build this home and it's really going to cost 1.5 or 1.7 to build it. Well, that's because the cost of goods have gone up. You know, that's unfortunately just a fact of life, life right now. Um, materials, uh, windows, uh, two by fours, shingles, all of that stuff has gone up and we have absolutely no control over it. Same thing in the furnishing industry. Fabric has gone up, the dried wood that goes inside of the sofa. And that those costs all get passed along to you. I promise you that the industry people um, are not making more money. It's the same percentage as everything has gone up. So that is a big, big deal. Um, you have to set realistic expectations when you do the, your budgets. And we're going to talk about this in a future podcast. But in the very beginning, you want to think about that. What's realistic for you? What are you comfortable with? And take that to your designer or the, to your general contractor or builder and be very, very honest and say, I'm looking to build a million-dollar home, a $500,000 home, a $5 million home, and tell them that. And they're able to work backwards. And by building, I don't do not include the lot cost with that. It's actually one of my builders that I love to work with calls it sticks and bricks. And I think that terminology is fantastic. What is it physically going to cost to build that home from the foundation to the sticks, to the bricks, to the stone, to the roofing, to the windows, every bit of that. 
not not furniture, not decorating materials, just the construction part. You really need to know what that is and have a really good idea and then be honest with yourself and then be very, very honest with the contractor. So now the other thing I want to talk about is the delays and timeframes. They are taking longer to get in where before it would take, let's say, two months to get in appliances. Now we're being told on the high-end appliances, the custom appliances, it could actually take um, 12 months. It could take a year to get those in. So you have to ask yourself, well, gosh, you know, I usually drop in the appliances after I do my cabinets. Well, you have to mix that up a little bit now and then do that on the front end. Um, look at your cabinet layout. Look at your cabinet design. Figure out, am I going to do a 36-inch refrigerator? Am I going to do a 48-inch refrigerator? Um, Thermidor, who I love, now has 60-inch refrigerators out there. You know, who knows? In another two years, they'll probably have 10-foot-wide refrigerators. But you have to make sure you plan that in your cabinets, and you have to get those ordered. And the big thing is when you order those, you often have to pay for them. You have to make a deposit. So you don't want to change your mind throughout the process. You want to know what that's going to be. And now we want to do that on the front side. Challenging, unfortunately, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot we've got to do in the first 30 days now. Before, a lot of this stuff could be pushed off because of the links and everything taking a little bit longer. We have to do it in the very beginning. We have to almost do it in the first 30 to 45 days. Once those plans come back and once you go to permit, you've got to be ready to order a lot of this stuff. If not, you're going to be stuck with getting items, choosing items that are in stock, or you're going to have to make changes very, very quickly that you may not love and you may not be happy with. We have to remember, this is your beautiful home. It's something that you're spending a lot of effort, you're making a major investment in. We want it to be beautiful for you. You want it to be beautiful for yourself. You just don't want it to be kind of, eh, you want it to look fantastic. So make sure you budget time accordingly for that. Now, um, let's talk about allowances. That seems to be the biggest challenge in the world, where we land. We briefly spoke about that before. Allowances are going to be, um, or budget, your investment. They're going to be the cost of everything that goes in your home. Make sure, again, go through, I encourage people to do a spreadsheet. Um, list every single thing out. You have your um, appliances. You have your tile. You have your countertops. You have your roofing. You have your um, shingles, all those materials, and then you have a number that's in there. You get to go shop with the um, the vendors and look at that. And it's really important to stay within your allowance. So for tile, let's say you have $10,000 or $20,000. When you're picking out your tile, you want to make sure that you stay within that number. That's going to help keep your total cost of your project what you originally thought it was going to be. And therefore, everyone's happy. There's no questions and no drama about why you're off um, your investment or off your budget. Now, let's discuss forms of communication. There are a couple of different ways that you can communicate. Um, there are some wonderful um, builder programs out there right now. Um, builder Trend, Co-Construct, there's Fieldwire. Um, the purpose of that, there's also emails, there's text messages. The reason you want to have these communications documented is for multiple reasons. One, it's a lot easier to go back and track stuff and then know that something's approved. Is it been completed? What time frame it is? 
It also holds the project to move forward, and we have a little bit of liability and responsibility that's there. Um, Certain builders have different ways that they want to communicate. There's other clients that don't like communicating in certain ways. I'm working on a pretty large remodel project in Pinehurst right now. Those particular clients would rather email. They're not big fans of the program to approve everything. So I take you know my time, which I love doing, and I communicate with them, and then I physically approve the stuff on the builder program that we have it now. I shoot them emails back and forth to make sure I have a backup and that I understand what they do. But then that's a another option, another capability that we have to make sure that there's a paper trail, everything is memorialized that you have. And if there are questions that someone has on Saturday night or early Sunday morning that we're able to go through and we're able to look it up. Now, um, what do you do first? Do you find your builder? Do you find an architect? Do you find a designer? Uh, They all three play together as a team. Um, You kind of need all of them at the same time. Of course, being a designer, I'm a fan and believe that you should choose your designer first. Um, From that, I am able to choose, work with you, interview and meet a couple of contractors and meet a couple of architects. And we all like to meet together and then see if there's flow, if you create a good team. First of all, is the builder even interested in working with you? You know, do you get a good vibe from that architect? Do you get a good vibe from the designer? Again, you have to remember you're going to be together for a long time. Uh, Right now, it could take five to six months to get plans done. And you're communicating a lot with your designer. Your designer is also communicating back with the architect and the builder. Um, And that's a big deal. I mean, if you don't get along and you can't laugh with each other, they're not really a good fit. Um, So there's that question often, you know, well, who and what do I do first? You need someone to lead the team. And then I feel like the designer has the ability to do that. So from there, the designer can help you set up other appointments with the general contractor and then with the architect and things roll. But please, please keep in mind that the architects are extremely busy right now and it's almost impossible for them to turn around plans in less than five or six months. And then that also includes engineering. That's gonna take a little bit of time. Um, You have to know how to put the house together. It's just not about laying everything out, the two by fours and the design. You physically have to put it together. So um, those are really, really big topics I think that are important. Um, We have something cool that I wanted to do a little different. It's called the big five from the builders. And these are, questions and statements and concerns that I get from a couple contractors that I'm working with, things that they feel are important that they wanted me to bring up during the podcast. And they also really want to make sure that when I'm dealing with the clients that we talk about it. The first one is lot consideration. When you're looking for a lot to build your home, you need to understand the size of it and you need to understand the size of the house that you're putting on it. I know that sounds so basic and so common, but if you have a lot that's 100 feet wide and you have setbacks of 10 or 15 or 20 feet, you can't put a house plan, um, a building envelope that's as wide as your lot. You just can't do it. And then all of a sudden you have to start shrinking and merging and getting things that fit together in there becomes super challenged. So make sure that you understand your lot. Um, Same thing. Does the lot slope? Does it allow a basement? Uh, A lot of what happens right now, uh, we'll have prospects that'll come and say, we want to build a basement in our home. And they have a lot picked out that sometimes they've already bought that's as flat as a pancake. There's no way easily in the world without spending an extra $100,000 that you're going to get a basement in there. Um, Code requires this right now. You have to egress. You have to get out of that basement. 
if it floods, if it catches fire, you have to get out. Um, and it's easier if the lot has a slope, if it runs one way or the other, than if it's flat. It's also a little bit more cost effective. So make sure you consider what aspects you need in your lot. The other thing, especially in this Raleigh-Durham, Wake County area, we have this Noose River buffer. Oh, my gosh. Um, Noose River buffer. Let's say it again. Uh, it's a major flood zone. They are getting super strict with what they will allow you to build in that zone. Um, what will flood? What will happen? Um, and, you know, years ago, they were a little bit loose. They weren't as strict. Today, oh, my gosh, they are getting so tight on what they allow us to physically do. Is it livable space? Is it not livable space? Um, very same consideration down at the coast. Um, you can no longer have livable space if you're in that floodplain. Um, it's not the Noose River. It's another flood zone. But you, you can't build. You can't have a bedroom. You can't have a bathroom. The water needs to be able to come in. It needs to be able to flow out. And if you think about it, that takes up a lot of space, a lot of buildable space. So definitely keep that in your um, consideration. We briefly just spoke about setbacks um, and the lot consideration. Um, we run into a little bit of a challenge with that. Um, neighborhoods, um, a setback is what you are required to build your house in. You build your house in what is called a building envelope. So often your neighborhood, either through the town or through your HOA, will have guidelines that say you can only build your home 10 feet, 15 feet, 20 feet from the sides. Those are your setbacks. And they'll have the same thing from the rear of the home and the front of the home. They'll either have, again, 20 feet, 50 feet, 70 feet, and they'll do the same thing from the front. It is so critical and important to follow those guidelines. Um, you have your homeowners association, which is your neighborhood, and then you have the town. So you actually have two that you have to deal with. I highly encourage people to not discount your neighborhood HOA. Often you're required to, you have to follow the guidelines with what they tell you. If they tell you that you have to build 15 feet or 18 feet from the sides, that's really what you need to do. Um, if you go against that um, and say the town who often has smaller setbacks and smaller guidelines, you go with that, that could set you up for a little bit of a legal trouble, legal trouble. And it could also make the project a little bit more difficult down the road. I personally think it screws up the integrity of the neighborhood. Um, it's nice if the neighborhood in general has lots of trees and larger lots. I like to be able to play with that and keep it. Now, if you're talking about a couple of inches, you can always ask for variance from your HOA and they'll give that to you. But keep that into consideration and understand that that is really, really important to be able to do that. So that kind of wraps up this first pilot program that we have, my first podcast. Um, I definitely want to thank my sponsors. I forgot to do that on the front side. I'll do better next time. Um, Jenny Blanton is, is absolutely wonderful. If you guys are looking to buy or sell a home, be sure and reach out to her. Um, and then Dogwood and Company, who is a custom builder, luxury builder in the Cary area and also does high-end remodeling. Thank you so much for your support. Um, we're going to be getting lots of information and tidbits from these people along with others um, to be able to go out 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. It's really important for you guys to subscribe and watch them. Hopefully, we're going to come out um, once a week or once every other week. We'll have some great ideas and then tips for you. We're going to be on a couple of different channels. And next week's, we're going to talk, hopefully, about a couple of things. The biggest thing is the Dallas Lighting Show. Um, I was just there about two weeks ago when it was... Oh my gosh, I can't imagine it being any hotter than it was or any more humid. Um, but that's a place that you go um, just right in downtown Dallas that has all of the cool new lighting fixtures that's coming up um, in the next year. It also has everything that they sell. It's multiple stories. Um, great ways to get ideas. Again, typically a designer or your contractor are going to go hit the show and see what's there. Your lighting stores are also going to do the same thing. So we're going to look at hopefully about 15 or 20 pictures and talk about them and see what's really cool and hot in that area. And we're going to follow up a little bit more about the importance of construction with the builder and your allowances again and tracking notes, the importance of that and how to follow up. So thank you so much for watching this. Uh, hopefully some of you guys, if you remember, it's a Designers Lane podcast is the website. So www dot designers lane podcast you're going to be able to listen to this and you're also going to be able to watch it so hopefully you can log in somewhere with some of these programs and see the pictures especially for episode two where we talk about the lights and the textures and also um, we're going to try and answer some questions so if you have questions in the comments put them down there i'll do my best to find them and call them out and answer them on future podcasts again have a great day and follow for more.